0: This is The Spiel, a regular podcast about games and the people who love them. Episode 5. Five of the spiel. Five already. (laughs) Yep. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like uh, just yesterday when we started this. uh, It does. This is a show about games and the people who love them. Uh, My name is Stephen Conway. And I'm David Colson. And we are your resident game experts. Uh, We're here to show you how to have uh, the greatest amount of fun with the widest variety of games. And and there are a lot of games out there. (laughs) (laughs) Way too many. (laughs) Um, so let's let's get started cool game news and notes this is a segment where we like to talk about upcoming games or things that have crossed our eyes in the last um, since our last episode in the game world um, Dave what uh, what has uh, Grabbed your attention since well, last. I'll tell you what I found out just in the last couple of
1: days. It has me going crazy. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if anybody's uh, knows. I'm sure people know of the game, uh, The Lord of the Rings from Rainer Canitia. Awesome game. Um, board game. A uh, what do you call it's it? A it's a cooperative cooperative board game. Came out. I think and it was it, concurrent with the first uh, with Fellowship. With wasn't the first. It? Okay, that's right. I just couldn't remember when that came out, but. Um, Anyway, it's an awesome game. We've played it a handful of times. Yeah.
0: And uh, it came out, and then there were a couple expansions that came out for it mm-hmm. later on. And well, I guess when we say cooperative, we mean that everyone is actually... There's no individual winner. Everybody is sort of playing on the same team against the game itself, right. which is kind of a weird mechanic for a lot right. of there people. There haven't been a lot of
1: games before it that did that. And since it came out, there's been... Like a it's resurgence sort of, a renaissance, yeah. of those style of games that have come out. But yeah, everybody plays one of the Hobbits mm-hmm. and everything. Anyway, it's a, it's an awesome game, and we just found out that there's going to be yet another expansion for it. Um, it's going to be called um, Battlefields. Um, should be out. It's also obviously by Rainer Kinesia, and it's a Cosmos Fantasy Flight thing. Um, should be out in August. But since it's Fantasy Flight, <laughs> they, they tend to be a little bit behind with the exception of August is Gen Con and Indy. It would behoove so, them to have it ready there yeah, because
0: you've so got a whole... It could easily be making a preview. <laughs> Cavalcade of nerds that are ready to pony <laughs> exactly. up their money for uh, another Lord of the Rings game. So this, what looks cool about
1: this one is um, the only information I could find out is that, uh, basically if you're not familiar with the game, there's a series of boards each represent, representing a different scenario um, through, the, through the books or the movies or whatever, through the yeah. storyline. And what this is going to do is it's going to add um, a battlefield board for each of those boards, and on these battlefields you're going to have evil against good fighting, and the outcomes of the battles will help sway what <laughs> happens, you know, in the
0: scenario board. That's really cool. Is it adding like extra players that will play in addition to the normal people, or is it just another way so. for the people who are playing to? Have to deal with the things that I've read, it makes it three
1: to six. Okay. Which obviously the That's... three part, it, there's going to be, you know, a play a Sauron player. There's going to be an evil player.
0: Oh really? Yeah. There's going to be an so evil player. To, so you have to use the Sauron expansion in order to I play don't, with this. One? I don't
1: think so. You have to have three. You have to have two players playing the, uh, the good and one player, or the dark and the light, whatever. Um, but you can choose to play the Sauron with the battlefields, uh-huh. and the person playing Sauron will run all the battlefield stuff. Okay. Or you can choose to leave Sauron out and play just the battlefield stuff and have, you know, the person, uh-huh. so
0: it looks like it'll be really cool. That's That sounds awesome. I guess that we might need to say that the there was an expansion called the Sauron expansion that right. while the game is mostly cooperative... It allows one person to play as the evil person, in addition to the game board and the sort of mechanics conspiring against the other players. You actually have one person who can sit back and just make everyone's life a, a living hell. And, and, he, and whoever does, it's ugly. <laughs> Dave makes a, a good, a better Sauron than, than is probably legal. <laughs> it's,
1: but that's that just has me really excited. Anybody who hasn't played this game needs to look
0: it up. Yeah, and this is only going to make it that much better. Yeah, it's I mean it's so unique, and yet to me, I guess the the really cool thing is that it's so well intertwined um, with the actual story. Yeah. It's not just that they've come up with a cool game and slapped you Lord know sprayed it gun. with Lord of the yeah. Rings juice. It's actually you know really it's, tied into the story. It really does feel he, he's managed to capture the sort of drama of the whole. The Scope of the epic story that is, you know, Lord of the Rings into this board game field that you really feel like you know it's gonna take an impossible feat of exactly. you know bravery and and cunning and all that stuff to actually beat the game because you don't beat it most of the no. time. <laughs> no, it beats you the majority of the time. But it's I can't wait until this comes out. That's awesome. Well,
1: left
0: we'll to the, That uh, one will get played pretty much instantly the minute <laughs> that's that. That's gonna I don't hit the list and then it's gonna be right the hell <laughs> off the list. Cool, so um, what do you have? Well, I have, it's not a game, but it's, uh, in the in the world of games, um, I've run across, it's come to my attention that there's a new magazine called Knuckle Bones, um, it's fairly new, um, that deals with pretty much the, the same stuff we're dealing with, you know, it's That's all awesome. about <laughs> games and the people who love them, and... Um, I, I give it really high marks for. I've only seen one issue of it so far. I think this is the July issue that I'm looking at here. Um, covers the whole, you know, breadth and scope of types of games, from family games to the hardcore sort of um, strategy or board games. The European imports as well as American games. Um, this one has a particularly cool article about this amazing German board game designer uh, or board game maker who makes these just amazing pieces of furniture that are also board game boards as well Um, there's one that's like a hippodrome you do like a little horse race around that's a coffee table all the pieces are hand carved and hand put together, I mean they're ungodly expensive but if you look at the if you look at the pictures within the magazine you can see why it's totally worth it. Yeah I can see the picture on the front Cover, holy mother of God. <laughs> if I hit the lottery or start selling some of those screenplays, I'd be buying uh, buying these game boards like they were going out of style. I don't know that I've seen a more gorgeous <laughs> yeah. game ever. But that 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 kind of is a vouch for the quality or, or the kind of unique things that this magazine is covering. They're based cool. out of Wisconsin, okay. I believe, the, the people that are um, putting this magazine out. I think they're less than a year old. Um, the magazine, again, is called Knuckle Bones, and they have a website. It's kbones.com, and um, subscriptions are. I think it's by monthly. Okay. Um, so you you know they I think just publication wise they can't afford to produce one every right. month at this point. But the subscriptions were pretty affordable. I think it was twenty dollars for a subscription that's great uh, and just it's got a really good variety it's got reviews and everything you'd expect out of a sort of normal gaming I would love magazine. to see magazines like this be able to make a go of it cause, yeah yeah, oh man, I mean, that's great we're sort of definitely on the same side here you know we're preaching with the choir here I <laughs> exactly, guess but right. you know it wouldn't be bad to see if we could get some of these knuckle knuckleheads from Knuckle Bones on the show maybe well. in the future um, because we're certainly um, both interested in supporting games so check it out it's uh I think it's worth at least buying an issue. I think individual issues are six bucks. Oh, that's great. So you know it's worth worth buying one and seeing if you agree with with me I think or I, not. I, I think I saw on
1: their website that you know if you get one and you're like you're hooked, you can get back orders. Yeah, you I, can yeah get you're right. Back
0: issues. So um, that that's what caught my eye, and I think that's it'll be a great way to sort of supplement if you're listening to the spiel and you hear what we're talking about here's a, a sort of print version that's going to give exactly. you even more detail on some other games that are in that same world of, of out-of-the-ordinary kind of games. So well, that's fun. I'm all over that. The List Well, we've, uh, we've managed to show some restraint from episode four to episode five here. And uh, we actually have not purchased any new games today, to Ooh, date. Liar. <laughs> we ha- technicality. We don't, we don't have them in our possession yet. So we can actually say, as of right now, that the list is down to 64 games. Absolutely. We um, th- This is a segment where we discuss um, the games that we have played off of our unplayed game list. If you look at... Um, The spiel you'll see that there's a list of all the games in our collection that we have yet to play and so each episode we're going to at least play have played at least one if not two games off of that list and we're going to discuss them and give you kind of the lowdown on on our impressions and and reviews of these games so um tonight our two games were um auto 1503
1: and rocketville Definitely about as uh, thematically as <laughs> yeah. far the hell as you could possibly get from each other,
0: <laughs> but that's what made it fun. Yep. So, um, what, which one do you want to start with? We'll go in reverse order. We'll go oh, with that. You want to go with Ano 1503 first? Sure. Let's that, let's start in reverse order. That sounds good.
1: Um, it was a game designed by Klaus Tuber, which uh, he's done such he's done tons of other games. Um, probably some a notable, obviously, is the settlers games. Yeah, yeah so I mean, that's, that's, Catan. and the myriad of spinoffs and stuff that's involved in that. But he also has done a game called Barbarossa, um, 1988, like clay molding game that's pretty goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, Adolver flicked it, which is, um, which is a fun, great little great, game. Yeah. You yeah. might know it. It's got some other names: Hoity <laughs> Toity, Fair Means or Foul by Hooker Crook. All the same game, but all really great. Um, he did Low and Hertz in 1997, which is also under the name, re-released under Domain, name, Domain exactly, and I thought that was a great game. Yeah, yeah.
0: it really is a, a quality and game. And he did yeah. Ant Decker, so he's got tons of games. Right. right. Um, but Settlers probably, is certainly the yeah. thing that put him on the map. And there's, there's, Even if you're not necessarily a game player, or game crazy the way we are, you might have even heard or even have even played Settlers, even if you've heard none of the other games that that we've talked about so far on this spiel. Exactly. That's one that's starting to be mainstreaming everybody. It's
1: getting the same notoriety as like Uno or Monopoly. You know what I mean, it's starting yeah. to trickle down. People. I know. I've seen people come in game stores asking for that. That you just can't believe that
0: <laughs> they're actually asking. Well, for Well, even sellers. like I think is it Ya? Yo- no, it's msn.com that actually has an online version of I settlers hope. they've yeah. actually licensed it you know there's some sort of knockoff clones but you can actually go online and play against six or other people and play the the real live settlers against That's other people awesome. i mean you know you've kind of made it mainstream when <laughs> exactly. msn starts picking exactly. yourself wow. up but so um the, he's the grandfather of yeah, this and you know, exactly. it's, a, it's a great entry level game i guess is what we're saying to to this whole wide world of of wacky out of the ordinary hard to find um kind of games exactly
1: so the, let's see the um uh, like I said, this was um co published um by Mayfair and Cosmos. Um it's for two to four players. Playing time is approximately an hour and the cost is around thirty five bucks. I'm not sure is
0: that retail or budget. No, that's, that's, that's what you can get it for yeah, if you're hunting around. The best deal available and I made the notes for the show here, uh definitely find it
1: for around that price. The cool thing I, I didn't know till just recently was that this game was based on a best-selling German PC game. yeah um, a computer game and now after having played it, we can see you know where that all came from but I honestly did had this in my collection for four years now and really I had no idea I had no idea it was a German um, computer game. Um, the premise of it is the players are basically attempting to colonize a new world and make their colony grow faster. Than those of the other players. They're going to gather resources, which are then sold or used for expansion. Uh, the first player to meet three of the five possible victory conditions will win the game. Um, so it's Renaissance
0: themed, I guess. Right. I guess sort of early to middle Renaissance, or sort of the Age of Exploration right. era. You know, with tall ships and you know Age of Sail is sort of the the flavor of the game. Um, so let's maybe we should talk about you know what. Well, our initial impressions were of the game in terms of, you know, overall components, the look and feel of the game, the mechanics, that, those sorts of things. I, um, first impressions, obviously, anybody
1: who's played Settlers can't help but draw, conclude. I mean, comparisons, similarities, yeah, between the two games, and a lot of um, they share some of the same mechanics. There are new things to this, but that I would say right out of the box, the first thing, the first thing you say to yourself is. This has to be settlers with just you know some mm-hmm. a few mechanical twists. Um, so that's that's the first thing I noticed. The components um, were kind of fun. There were some pretty big like little wooden ships that each you know person got. We kind of each had our own little player board in front of us where we get to got to put our um,
0: what were, not the pioneers and, settler, and settlers and settlers exactly and merchants and I forget what the other term was but. They sort of progress as the game goes on. Exactly, and, and they develop and go through. I think they end inv- go to end up coming to merchants. That's yeah, it? that's
1: right. That's right. Um, so you have a, you have a main board out in the middle that is actually the exploration board is out in the middle where your boats are hunting, trying to find islands that are going to be able to produce. Certain commodities. I think they were spices and tobacco in this particular game.
0: Yeah, that it, were out there. I guess that's to me the element that, that ties it so closely to Settlers of Catan, where you have you have different commodities that your uh, your village is going to produce and that you're out there trying to find to trade to turn into money so that you can buy mm-hmm. buildings or upgrades for your own things and all that, of course, being aimed towards victory. You know, buying these things will. Um, you know, advance your colony uh, in different ways that will help you right. win, the, win the game. But that's certainly, <laughs> if I didn't just say we were talking about Ano 1503, you could you, definitely think we were talking, talking about, about settlers. settlers of Catan. So, exactly the sort of gu- main guts of, of the game. Yep, definitely. You can't, you can't help but say this is Settlers. Right, whenever,
1: <laughs> whenever the first phase of every turn is roll a dice for production. Mm-hmm. And take those resources. I mean, from from here till forever, anything that does that, you can You won't be able to think of anything but settlers. So, but since
0: he's the creator of settlers, <laughs> yeah, he, gets, he, can, a, he yeah, gets a pass on that exactly. one. Exactly, <laughs> he can do whatever the hell
1: he wants with that particular mechanic. But um, I'm not trying to think if I'm forgetting any of the basic stuff.
0: Um, there are four. Well, there's four main, four or five main ways that you can win. Five ways that you five, can, right. You can win. Um, either by having a lot of money or advancing your settlers up to being merchants or exploring on the board with your right. ships, which I think we'll probably get into here in just yep. a minute in terms of discussing <laughs> what we you know, like and dislike about the game. Um, that's the, I guess that's a basic rundown of how the game operates in, in general. Um, what In terms of overall impressions, what did you like about the game? um well i I definitely i
1: enjoyed the game especially at the onset mm-hmm. you know it seemed really unique with a couple mechanics thrown into the favorite settler stuff that we enjoy, no matter what um trying to think as as the game went went on a little bit more I think um there was a few things that we probably weren't super happy with but I'd say all in all it was it was a it was a great game but i'm I'm not
0: positive if it might lose its sparkle over time yeah yeah i uh, I don't i don't know that i'd say it's a great game but i certainly i mean i didn't i didn't dislike playing it at all and i didn't not enjoy myself when i was playing it but the things that i enjoyed about this game are also things that were so similar to settlers because you know the parallels are so you can't help but make them. Um, that I don't know that there was. I, I think the things that I liked about it in terms of the feeling that you're you're progressing your little uh, group of settlers over time, and you can see your sort of colony build as you go, and and um, you know you accumulate uh, the different commodities based on the die roll. So there's sort of this sense of tension when it comes around. You know, I've got my tools and my wood, but I need a cloth and <laughs> Damn you! Why do you keep rolling more bricks? Because I don't need bricks; I need cloth. I, I had enough damn cloth tonight to freaking sew up
1: a. It was. I couldn't get away from the yeah, crap.
0: The, you know, you roll a six-sided die to determine, you know, how all these commodities are rolled out. And I'd say out of the 20, 25 turns we had uh, in the game, I'd say half of them fours were rolled. Yes. If you had something that you needed on a four, you were in you like were, Flynn. Yeah. But. Dave of course was not on the floor so no, yeah. he was uh, just had a stack of whatever it was cloth or whatever you had <laughs> that's on the why my floor. ships weren't going anywhere <laughs> they're laden down with three tons of cloth so there there are things to like about this game um, but I think the the sort of segue into the things that we really thought you know might have tripped the game up a little um, there there's some things that, that are hard to ignore right when it comes right down to it and me, I guess the ships right. would and, be the first, the first mean, stumbling block for this game that
1: they don't quite get over. Right. I, I don't want to say that. I mean, obviously we've only played it one time, and usually you have to give games you know, a couple times and everything, but I think we've played enough games that um, there, there are some tiles in here that give you special abilities if you can attain them, and there was a couple tiles that allow your ships to have basically super ship movement. Yeah, and, move double the amount that yeah. everybody else can move. And um, out of a four people, um, you can play the game with four people, but there's only two of those, so only half the people are going to get those. And it's almost always going to be the first two people to have a choice to pick those tiles are most likely going to pick those two. And I I think we we agree that they're just too,
0: too damn powerful yeah. compared to the rest of the abilities. Given that the whole basic, you know, Three of the five ways that you can possibly win the game are built around the sort of exploration part of the game. Exactly. Moving your ships across the board, finding islands that you can, you know, found colonies on for tobacco or spices, and that's the only way you can get those things. If your ships can move twice the speed of everyone else, it's hard to say that that's not just an overwhelming advantage for, for those players who get those... Tiles and the players who don't. It's not that they can't compete, but it sort of puts them behind the eight ball within like the first two or three turns of the game. Exactly.
1: I was I was one of the ones with very slow ships. Um, <laughs> very slow. Very slow ships, and I would I would get a ship finally on the board, and it would be a good four or five turns for me to get to the other side of the board and explore something so I could maybe find, you know, one of those
0: other um, trade. I can't think yeah, of what. Like I'm not using the right. That's, I say colony, but that wasn't the right word but, for it. But. Yeah.
1: So, but it would take four. In those four turns, you guys could build a ship, blow by me, find something, rebuild that same <laughs> ship again. We were actually and start mocking it. you. It was like
0: we, we pass you going out, we, and then we get the stuff on the way back, and you're still like, "Damn it, where are they getting all this stuff?" <laughs> exactly. It, it was
1: crazy, but um, so I would say that was a huge. I would think that every single time you get this game out and play it, it's going to be a race to be the first one to buy the building that gives you the benefit of doubling the movement of your ship, which unfortunately seriously decreases the number of times you want to play it. If yeah. if every single time you
0: open it up, it's basically very one-sided. Yeah. Well, if you know there's, strategy there's one that strategy that is almost a proven winner. Yep. Bar none, if you're going to sit down and play. That makes it hard for it to come out of the closet when you have other right. games that have those same kind of elements going for it, but you know that there's more freedom of choice in terms of the kinds of strategies that you know going in, or that you feel like a few turns in. I will say this, however. Get, even given the fact that you were kind of behind the eight ball from almost the get-go, um, when it came down to the end and victory, you actually closed the gap pretty darn well. Well, it was not nearly. I mean, I would have expected it to be, you know, that we were playing with three people, and and I was expecting it would. It seemed like Jason and I had were sort of neck and neck, and then you sort of really kind of way far behind. But it was not. That was when that my far. ships finally the hell got out to sea. <laughs> at, at the end of the game, I finally got to discover some islands. <laughs> so I mean, I, I do want to withhold judgment to some extent and say, you know, I wouldn't mind playing it again, but my initial impression is a lot like yours in that I don't see how it's going to stand the test of time. Exactly. I enjoyed playing it this time, but but, to me, it's a case where if anybody other than Klaus Tabor had tried to pitch this game to someone, I think they would have said it's too similar to to Settlers, Um, or you need to make it somehow more unique, give it some extra little twist, or balance it in a way that you know, can have it stand on its own to feed. And
1: one thing he did with this to remove it from Sattler's a little farther away is he took away the the ability for the players to trade with each other and to interact. And if you're gonna take that away, you've certainly got to replace it with something else as as strong as that mechanic. Yeah. And he didn't so you were losing one really strong mechanic and not gaining yeah. You know,
0: anything else. And that's, I mean, the, the whole solitaire aspect to, of the game where there's only really one way at all that you can interact with the other players. There's one tile that allows you to steal uh, commodity cards from someone else, but you still have to pay that. You still actually have to, to so pay So you're them. not really right. stealing. Um, but. And gold being in such.
1: Yeah. Really hard to
0: find that. That's not really as good as. I guess I'd say that's one thing I did like about. I liked the the money system, the way you had to go that's, about managing right. money and things. It was very. Um, it wasn't totally unique, but it was definitely at the heart of the game. You you can sell some things to your settlers to get, to get some money, but you have to use that money then to buy other commodities. And the way the management of right, that's the one thing getting I like the commodities too, right? in and out. I thought that actually kind of worked. Yeah, it was pretty it was a, well. It was a
1: very. Neat system of how I did it. Different, definitely different than
0: settlers <laughs> but, and other stuff. But to me, because you're all—I mean, you almost could play this inside. Like you said, it's no surprise having played it now that it was—it came from a computer game. Absolutely, because it has that sort of totally very felt. linear, very logical. You make these steps, and you could almost play this on your own. Without right. even another person, and just say, "I have to win in X number of turns, or I lose." Exactly. Uh, quality to it, which you know, if you're going to play a game with other people, you want to you want to have some level of interaction interact, there that right. you don't feel like you could have just sat each in separate rooms of the house and kind of played the same game. And there's a, I'm, I feel like I'm being overly harsh now, but it, but it yeah. definitely did did have a bit of that feeling to it.
1: I think it's just because we're. We're only being overly harsh because we were expecting. There's certain designers that we expect a truckload, at, uh, you know, a lot out of, mm-hmm. and when they don't hit it perfect, yeah,
0: you yeah. know, we criticize a lot. This, so it's not nearly
1: as bad as we're leading, you know, making it <laughs> out
0: to be. But yeah, I mean, to me, it's Max of him trying to milk the settlers oh. mechanic once too right. often. He's gone to the well one too many times, <laughs> and I would say he's rung. You know, it's not that he couldn't find some interesting thing to do with that mechanic in a totally different way, but this isn't it. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, it's too, if given the choice between this and Settlers, I would choose Settlers every time. Because this doesn't have anything to set itself apart that would make me say, play me, rather than Settlers, because. I agree. Absolutely. But it's, uh, it's off off the list. list.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I think one thing we have to mention before we move on, because we promised we would. Ah uh, yes, um, our friend Jason. I don't know whether we've mentioned him in past podcasts oh, or not. Um, he did win this game.
0: Hey, wait a minute! I won this game. He won Rocketville. Okay, excuse me while I drink <laughs> some more another, tequila. Take another drink, there, Mister. Try to cheat me out of my victory. <laughs> okay, he should have won this game, but exactly. the dice That's the dice conspired against at him at the very end. Everything exactly. was going his way, and the 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 typical. Hey, I'll win if I don't roll a six. Exactly. Boom. Six. Son of a...
1: <laughs> I can't believe I
0: get a chance to give Jason credit, and I give him credit. the rock. Too much credit. <laughs> Too much credit. Damn it. <laughs> but yes, he, he does get his credit, and that's. I guess we can use that as the segue the, into exactly. Rocketville, of whom <laughs> Jason was the winner tonight. <laughs> And you want to give all the Rocketville vitals? I'll I'll start here. So Rocketville, um, brand new game from Avalon Hill, Hasbro, giant board like consortium. (laughs) Uh, But uh, again, like Klaus Tabor, we're dealing this week with two games by stellar superstar game designers who have a great pedigree um, that we'll definitely need to discuss with the second designer who is... (laughs) Richard Garfield, Um, you might know him, Uh, Dave, you can chime in here, there's so many games on the list that it's hard to to number them. Probably the big boy is Magic the Gathering, the collectible card game,
1: came out in 93 and just revolutionized the way we think about games in general, period. Yeah. I mean, that was, in addition to being a great game, it was a, a type of game that didn't exist it before was without then.
0: precedent. Really. Yeah, it was it was amazing. So when he hit with that one, um, what well, I, I don't think it's too far to, an exaggeration to say that we probably would not be sitting here today talking about games if it weren't for Richard Garfield and the sort of renaissance in and inter, revitalizing interest in just games in general. I, I think you're that I we would not have seen the explosion right? of popularity in games today, at least in America. You know Germany and right. and that, I mean their game world is thriving and probably would continue to do so we, even without us <laughs> schmoes Absolutely. here in America. But and um, I think it's
1: funny that uh, when he when he first uh, designed Magic Magic the Gathering, there was at least one or more companies that weren't interested <laughs> in any way, shape, or form in that. Yeah, I can't even imagine that. Yeah, know? and so he managed to somehow throw in with some other people and kind of form their own thing called Wizards of the Coast, they put this game out
0: and... The rest is sort of history. Well, I mean, case in point, Wizards of the Coast was purchased by Hasbro, Hasbro. and who also purchased Avalon Hill, um, which is, you know, the the great elder statesman of of American board games here in in this country. Um, They're all sort of underneath the same umbrella of Hasbro now, and... Now, we have a little mixed feelings about that, but at least they're still putting out great games right. and giving people like Richard Garfield the exactly. the venue to, to give us games like Rocketville. Um, some of his other games that are definitely worth mentioning are the great Robo mm-hmm. Rally, which, which we've we talked in other ep- in, in past Episode episodes. Episode 1, actually. It was our yep. first, uh, first back shelf spotlight was Robo With Rally. Both you and I consider that to be one of the best games ever. Yeah, I mean, top ten I don't think you could leave it off the top ten list easily. Top 5 right. And I'd then say. you've
1: got, he did um, a great w- rework mm. of a classic college game that everybody <laughs> knew as basically Asshole, but yep. he rethemed it, and it was the great Dal Moody, and it is awesome. He put one or two little, little tweak tweaks. things in there, and it's great. He also did another collectible card game, Netrunner.
0: Which I think it's got really was, interesting. It, it kind of bombed. It didn't sell very well. Right. But, that's no uh, slight on its actual merit exactly. as a game. I thought it was uh, quite a nice game. And uh, Filthy Rich has got um, one of those whacked out. We'll discuss that, I think, in future episodes. It, yeah. But Filthy Rich, let's just say, let's put it this way. It's, it's a card game. It's a strategy game. <laughs> but it all takes place in a three-ring binder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so enough about Richard Garfield's yeah. background. I mean, we could go on and oh, on about that for exactly. days, <laughs> but but it's worth mentioning because both he and Klaus are just high top notch. You know, the, the bar is set high when you say it's a Richard Garfield game because I can't think of a game I've played at his that's it's a dog. They're all no. damn good games. Um, so back to Rocketville, um, brand new, three to five players, uh, playing times about forty five minutes. I would actually say it's. At, if, after you have played it, it's probably even a little less than that. You could probably play it in a half an hour. Yep, I think so. Especially um, if you're not, if you don't have the full five, especially. Yeah, um, and you can find it online um, these days for around twenty five dollars, um, which That's is a, awesome. a great deal for yeah. for what you're getting. Um, Plus, it's got a cool little silver rocket in it. Yeah, just wanted to throw it. <laughs> it's all about the the silver rockets with Dave. <laughs> If you didn't know that already, you'll know about that when (laughs) we get to truckloads of goober. (laughs) Um, So the basic spiel uh, behind the game is that, um, I'm reading the canned text here, in the retro-future hometown USA known as Rocketville, there's no greater honor or privilege than holding the office of mayor. The goal of this fast-paced game of luck and strategy, traveling from district to district via Rocket, Layers campaign for votes, making promises, garnering endorsements, and recruiting robotic assistants in a mad dash to win the popular vote and the game. So it's an election game, uh, basically. Um, You are trying to place your little mayor tokens, your little candidate tokens, in the different districts. or sort of different voter districts put around the board, and you are trying to uh, have the majority in the most of these areas because you'll get uh, popularity points based on that, and that's, after all, the, the object of the game. Um, sounds kind of simplistic, but I, I think it has a really... Um, one of It's one of those simple but elegant uh, game designs in terms of right. the mechanics. It takes literally less <laughs> than five minutes to explain what you do on your turn. Exactly. You have a, a series of cards that have numbers on them, uh, some of the cards have colors that correspond to the districts, and some of them are sort of neutral colored. The neutral ones, obviously, you can play anywhere. The colored ones, you can play on the districts that you want, or you can play them as neutral cards, but they have uh, lesser values. Um, the higher card, everybody decides this at the same time and then flips their cards over at the same time. The higher numbers uh, are going to win The um, election or not the election but the the contest for that particular you're, you're swaying the voters in that area so they're leaning to one way or another um, and uh, the person who has the higher number is going to win and be able to put their little uh, token on the board to show that they they control that area. Um, in terms of the um, subtleties of the mechanics I think that's where the the real fun comes in this game, right. and and has probably the best moment of tonight. And boy, do I wish we had the uh. mics on! <laughs> you got to take your medicine, here, uh. Dave, a little bit. We had a little uh, rules issue. Uh, <laughs> we started this game twice yep. before we, and we actually played three times. Well, we didn't play through to completion, but we started twice and said, you know, something's just not right. It just isn't working. It's so simple, and yet something just didn't feel right about the way the game was playing out. And sure enough, (laughs) we've all probably had this moment when we've played games where you you think, no, no, I'm playing the game right. And uh, Dave gets back to the rules, and there's this, no, wait a minute, I'm sure I'm, oh, <laughs> and then the rest of us just, you know, burst out laughing and realize, oh, there's a, there's a little issue in misunderstanding. So maybe Dave, you can take over here and, and discuss a little bit more of the kind of subtle mechanics of, of although it's really simple on the surface, pick a card and just flip it. There's a little more to it than that, and that's really yeah. the meat and the heart and soul of the game. They're, yeah, they're absolutely. And it,
1: Several turns went by before I think we realized exactly how subtle it was. Oh, yeah. You know, we were just basically worried about, okay, make sure you have the highest card so you can put your little marker on here. But control, putting your marker gives you control of the rocket ship, which allows you to decide which direction it's going to move so you can kind of see the future of where it may go and what spaces you may be on versus the cards that you currently have in your hand. And there are spaces that, you know, if you play low cards... You're actually going to suffer a penalty. Yeah. Not only do you, I mean, some places you want to finish first, but right. other places you, you don't, don't want, want to finish, finish last. last. Exactly. And you're trying to, um, and also, what were those, the endorser cards. Yeah, yeah, that's really There's cool. like a deck of 20 endorser cards. You're only going to use one for each game. You're going to randomly turn it over at the um, beginning of the game, and it's a game that's going to float around from player to player throughout the game. Some of them have benefits to the player who's... Who has currently it. Have it, has it, and um, some of them will have painful penalties, <laughs> which we found out in our game tonight. We had a very painful one tonight. <laughs> Basically, if you had this card in your hand, um, and nobody, there was a type of card called a campaign... Planning. Planning, exactly. If nobody played one of those, then you took a penalty point. Yeah, well,
0: you you were dropped in you, popularity. You lost, exactly, you lost <laughs> which popularity. Which is how the winner is determined, Ex- is your popularity.
1: And they don't make it easy to get rid of it because you can only get rid of it if only one single player in the game plays one of those
0: campaign planning cards. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's uh, the, those campaign planning cards is the is the subtle thing that that uh, that somebody screwed up on. <laughs> <laughs> we started playing, being able to replenish our hands sort of at will. And what you really begin to realize once the game gets underway is one, we were doing it wrong, but two. The only way that you can get cards back Back into your hand is to play these campaign campaign playing cards, which have a value of zero. So it increases your chances of, well, one, you're not going to win. Absolutely. Guaranteed. (laughs) But two, if you're on one of those spaces where bad things happen, you're more than likely going to end up having that bad thing happen to you. Or you could end up with the endorser who... He was. He took up residence with me. I think for most of the game, and was pretty comfortable. And the, the fun thing is you can me. you can
1: see the quantity of cards that other other players have, and you can pretty much guess they're going to have to play that camp you know the campaign planning card soon
0: because they only have two cards they, left, exactly, and it's, one of them is the planning card right
1: because um, they're it's disguised because it has the, the backing is the same as the other cards. You're never sure what they're going to play until they're down to one card. Yeah, <laughs> then it's obvious, but. I th- I think it was just really fun, you know, trying to it actually for as but there was a lot of interaction in this. Yeah. You could see the tension when somebody would play a card and two people would be just sitting there staring at them, waiting, down, yep. Just trying to see what did you play? <laughs> did you play that campaign planning card? Is there at least two of those out there so I can go ahead and play this one card? It's that great. Does he
0: think that I think I know what he thinks exactly. I'm thinking? Exactly. Clearly, ah. yeah. I cannot <laughs> choose the cup on my left. <laughs> yes,
1: but and the cards are um, the cards are great. They're they're the um, campaign promises, mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of flexibility in how in how you use them um, because they're they're color coded and numbered and. If you play it on this space, it's worth this number. If you play it on this space, it's worth this number. But there's great little sayings, the promises that you're making. Like I remember one, it was, let's put the common sense back into rocket science. (laughs) Here's one, a tax break for cyborgs. And here's, here's, let's just shoot our toxic waste into space. (laughs) You know, just all these cool promises. I like this one, reimburse parents of mutated kids. (laughs) <laughs> Hell I'd That's vote great. for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was mutated myself.
0: <laughs> Virtual fantasy lives for inmates in cryosleep? Yeah. I mean who isn't for that? I mean, come on. And
1: you know what I'm getting <laughs> tired of? Stray robo dogs. So oh, you know what? We yeah. should have them vaporized. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> Slow global cooling. <laughs> like that. <laughs> no no I mean, how how can you be against no more ro- giant robot disasters? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I like two words. Rocketville Casino. <laughs> <laughs> I like this one. I haven't seen this one before. Uh, fewer food products made from people. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you can see we had a lot of
1: fun playing this game. It was mechanically, it was very fun. Um, color wise, the the text on the cards was great.
0: Yeah. Um, it just. Color-wise, color-wise, in terms of color, we have a segue into uh, something we can actually knock on the game, though. Right. Um, So the little election districts that are laid out on the board, um, they're laid out on squares, and then there's a circle within each of the, the squares. The squares are one color, and the circle is another. You have to pay attention to the color that's in the circle to know what color cards you can play that right. are legal to play on any given space. It is, I can't understand for the life of me why they confuse the issue. If you weren't going to make it an element of the game, like right. there was some penalty for playing the wrong card, or you could play one or the other, or you definitely couldn't play any of that color exactly. on the outside. But um, I did find it a bit confusing, and it's just a total yeah. graphic design issue that I just don't understand each the, why. Each of the five or six um, neighborhoods
1: had, um, like a colored background to, to differentiate it between the other neighborhoods. Unfortunately, those colors were damn near the same colors as the, the circles. Um, so you would, at first, at the beginning of the game, one of the things we were doing wrong is we thought that we could, that it was purple, that the space was purple because the background was purple, but it really wasn't purple. Because it the was, middle was yellow. The and middle they, was
0: yellow, exactly. They could have just completely eliminated that issue. Um, by, you know, just a simple graphic design choice that would not confuse the player. We're not exactly, I mean, we're not the sharpest knives in the drawer some (laughs) of the time, but that was definitely something that could have... uh, Right. Now, once we figured it out, it wasn't, I mean,
1: it's not something that breaks the game. because The game was a lot of fun, and you do figure out really easily what, you know, what colors you're supposed to pay any attention to, but it seems like... You know, if if I were designing this, I I would have tried to make sure that there was absolutely no question as to yeah. what I was talking about when I said, play the matching the card of the matching color of the
0: space. Right. You know, especially given my other beef with it is too that the the tokens that you put on the board right. are also Little you each have a color that are very close to the colors on the board. You could have one made the colors of your tokens a completely different color than any of the colors that are on the board. Right. And they're about the size, they're, they're circular tokens, and they're about the size of the circles that go in the middle. So, you know, you put your thing out and your tendency is to want to put it in the middle of that circle. Well, then suddenly you can't remember what, what color right. that was on. And that becomes important because there uh, there's Some another of deck of cards called the robot, robot cards right. that give you little bonuses at the end. that will add to your popularity that might say, if you're the person who has the most purple districts... You get an extra couple popularity points. Well, if, if you have a hard time looking at the board, you know, just really quickly and going one, two, three, four. I've got four, and my opponent has two. Right. That's not we, cool. That's we not actually good. had problems
1: with that because Jason was trying to figure yeah. out, you know, how many purple things he had, and it took three or four of us looking at the board for a second to actually find his blue tokens because everything is a pastel. Yeah. Everything, you know, and it's just it's just kind of tough to look at. I mean, I kind of. They were, they were going for a look.
0: I like and they the, were, you know, yeah. it, that sort of retro 1930s, 40s, 50s science right, fiction, sort exactly. of Flash Gordon-y it, right. science fiction. Jetsons, Flash Gordon, Goofy, mm-hmm. you know. But they should have, I like Francie's comment was that they should have gone with sort of the more electric colors and things like that. You know, right. really bold colors instead of pastels because that's right. what, to me, I think of those kind of more in-your-face colors when I think mm-hmm. of that style, or really shiny metallic, you know, that stainless steel future is what right. I think of when I think of those kinds of things, not, you know, shades of pink and uh, purple. Lavender, and, exactly. I know, I mean, we sound so nitpicky yeah, exactly. that I'm talking yeah. about this. It to hey, no us. Yeah. But, but it, I mean, it does have an impact on your ability to play the game, and, you know, it would be hard to not just completely give this a... You know, an A. I give it an A minus rather than an A, or even maybe B plus A minus, just because of that one little hiccup, where I would just give it like an A plus if if it weren't for that, or at least on my first playing. I I think it'll hold up well under repeat playing, don't you? Oh yeah, I would get this out and play it anytime. What what I think is
1: really cool is, uh, this has some elements that make me feel like I'm playing not an advanced Euro style game, but definitely a Euro European style game. But yet, I think I could bring some family members and some friends into this game that typically wouldn't play that style of game that would catch on in a second and have a
0: blast. Mm hmm. You know, so yeah. <laughs> when the rules are as simple as look at your cards and, you know, if you want to win in this area, pick your highest card and put it face down. I mean, right. we basically almost taught you the entire game right there. Um, you got to give high marks for that. Yeah, I,
1: I give this a big thumbs up and I'd take it out of the closet and play it anytime. Expect, I mean, now that we're used to the little color problem, and we know it's just kind of hard to see, no big deal.
0: Yeah. So. Good job, Richard. Keep it yep, up. Yep. Yep. That's. We, we keep hoping, or we keep. Yeah. We could, could you come up with a dud sometime, <laughs> please? <laughs> well, no, you're human. If you do that, at least. But. Uh, but you've done yourself proud with this one. I think you. I think we. Both say. Thumbs up. Thumbs yeah. up. Big time. Shelf Spotlight. So we are on to the back shelf spotlight. We uh, highlight games that uh, need a little love, games that you <laughs> might not know about, games that uh, are on our shelves and might um, should be on yours as well, but they're older classic games. Um, a, a wide cross section. We'll pick uh, a theme or a sort of uh, Some, some way in which these games are related, Um, and so that's that's going to be kind of a new feature here. So I'm going to (laughs) play a little uh, stumper on Dave tonight. I've picked two games that, on the surface, might not seem like they're related at all. And I'll grant you, the connection isn't exactly (laughs) the greatest in the world. But there is a connection. There is a connection. Um, But these are definitely games that um, we think are very interesting and that. Have probably slipped under the radar from well, a, lot of, a lot of people. I think, especially one here. of
1: them, most people probably don't
0: even know is out there. Yeah. Um, so, call um, forth, Dave. You give it a shot. I, start I will start out.
1: with the first one because it's one of my favorite games. It's a, a little card game board game um, called Duel. Came out in 2004. The designer is, once again, Rainer Kinesia. <laughs> Surprise. Um, publisher is co published uh, between Ravensburger and Rio Grande. It's specifically a two-player game. Um, playing time is about 15 to 20 minutes, but that's a little misleading because once you start playing, you can't stop, <laughs> Yes. and you play the whole night. Um, also, is this is a new version. Um, I think it was originally released in 1993 under the name of On Guard. Yes, that's, that's right. Um, and so they just re-released it here in 2004. And um, the games are both... Basically, about the same. All he did in his new version, um, he added eight special cards. Um, You basically just reveal one at the start of each duel, and it kind of has a special rule that applies to just that duel. Mm -hmm. So, in this dueling game, you're basically playing cards back and forth. um, All numbered cards. All numbered cards that are allowing you to move forward and backwards as if you were, you know, basically fighting a duel. Um, And surprisingly enough, this. Just the simple play of these cards really puts you in the mood, you know, that you
0: were It has that Dodge Perry yeah, feel to a you know moving forward, moving back, trying to trying to gain ground on your opponent. It absolutely does,
1: and I I can't believe it is as successful as it is, you know, at making you feel like that. For being um, as simple as it is. For being as simple as it is. But the, the special cards will do stuff like maybe in this duel, you know, you can't retreat. Or in this duel all your cards are going to be face up, so your opponent knows exactly what you have to choose from. Um, you're, you're doing best three of five right? duels, best, basically. Yep, exactly. And it's it's um, what is the board? Maybe just a, a thin, narrow board. Yeah, it's just a thin, narrow. And like, basically each player starts at one end of it. one
0: foot long. maybe. Yep, you, long.
1: Each player starts at the end, and as you play cards, you start moving towards each other, and then finally when you kind of get close to each other, that's when the dodge and parry starts happening where you kind of back up and give a little ground and
0: then take it back and it's just great i mean there's to me i guess the thing that i couldn't believe when i played it the first time that this wasn't an old 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 game because it has a feel of a game that's like been around for a long time because it's so simple and you could see you know although all the cards are done up to look like you know Fencing cards and stuff like that, you could see how maybe this game was invented with just a normal deck of playing cards and you could play it with, you know, rocks or something. I mean, it just has that feel about it that it's this. There are some games that just have a simplicity to the rules, but yet a complexity to the strategy that um, they seem timeless, I guess, in a way. And to me, this is a perfect example of a game like that. This game just has
1: some kind of magic. Going for it. Because mm-hmm. I I haven't played
0: with anybody who just didn't go, wow, this is cool. <laughs> and it's so addictive because you can play it so quickly, especially right. for a two player game. You can sit down and play that best of three. I mean, that's the 15 to 20 minutes is playing three to five duels. Right. Not just, you know, a simple, a single game of duel might take three or four minutes tops. I mean, yeah. that's if you're really serious and thinking with about it. And your you're move. just
1: throwing out cards. I mean, usually. You're playing cards and moving your before you even finish moving your little dueler guy, <laughs> the opponent's already slamming down a card and going for it. It's but, just, we can't say enough about this. It's definitely something you should look into.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's the one last thing. I don't know whether you're aware of this, but there's an online version of this game. <sighs> the Sumo. Yeah, Sumo. Yep, yep. Um, that Brainer actually had a hand in because it has a couple little rules twists. There's a website called The Blip com. I'll put it in the show notes so you'll be able to go there. But it's a little arcadey like site where you can play a few online games and one of the games you can play there is sumo. And, and. it is dual or on guard, but you're sumo wrestlers <laughs> instead and basically the only you don't have the special cards like in Duel. And the one big difference is there are zero cards. So you can stay put, which is a huge no. advantage. There are you know the main mechanic is you're always moving forward and back in in dual and in the sumo there are points where you can just stay put stay your and, ground, and, right. and you know get points by doing that so I would definitely uh, if any of this sounds appealing to you you could try it out there and if you like it it it's not super expensive it's definitely less than $20 I don't, I don't think I wrote down the the full price here on my Yeah sheet, I think the retail might be 20 for you know, twenty or twenty-five. But you can so, pick it up for less than. Yeah, that. it know might. You it, up it might have less. been out of
1: print for a while, and I can't remember if that's the one that I read that is is back in print mm-hmm. now. But yeah, you you almost can't get a two-player game as good as this. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it fits in with a lot of other classics, especially in a game that just like you said, simplistic <laughs> like this, but is so rewarding when you play it. So.
0: Brings us to the second game. Yes. On the back shelf spotlight. Cool. Next, uh, next game is um, an old, old. We were talking about timeless games, so it's about time we got back to the classics here. And this is a classic that I don't think many of you out there know about. I, I doubt it. Um, no. It's a game called Scopa. It's an Italian card game. Uh, Invented in the 1600s, we don't have an exact date. Obviously, we don't have (laughs) a designer. Exactly. Publishers, all you know, out the window. But um, you play with two to six players. Average game takes about 30 minutes to an hour. Um, It's uh, we we live here in Indiana when we're uh, talking about. card games in Indiana Euchre would be the the card game (laughs) of choice that is sort of the regional favorite Scopa is sort of the Euchre of Italy exactly Um, it is uh, a game that's played with a semi-standard deck of cards not unlike Euchre as well Um, the most interesting thing about the cards is that they're played with sort of a, a similar to a normal deck of cards but the suits are different so you have swords you have cups you have coins and clubs, um, so basically it's the precursor for anybody. Here's a small historical tangent. <laughs> you know, most modern playing cards are derived from tarot decks, right. divining decks, and so many of the standard playing card games were developed to as sort of secondary uses or you know sort of ev- evolved out of um, tarot, tarot right. decks. And so this is sort of that middle ground where. The suits, that if you buy a Scopa deck, retain. will sort of look more like a tarot deck and are a little thinner. They're sort of bridge width cards. Right. Um, it's basically a game about trying to, to sweep, to scoop, or to get Scopas by getting as many of the cards off the table as you can. You can play as partners or you can play um, as individuals. Um, you basically flip over cards in the middle of the table. And you're capturing cards out of the middle by playing cards that equal the value of the cards out on the table. So if there is, say, um, a 4 and a 5, if you have the 9 in your hand, you could take both those 4 and those and the 5 out. Or the, the other rule is if there's a card that matches, if there was a 9 out there, you have to take the 9. You don't have any choice yeah, of right. playing those mixtures. Not unlike... Parts or a lot of these other games, the way you score points is by um, if you're able to take all the cards Every at once that's called a Scopa switch. and you get a, you get a point for that. There are certain cards within the deck like the seven of coins that you get points for, or the team that collects the most of the coins is going to get an extra point oh, there yeah. are there are face cards, but they're the king the uh, crud i've forgotten the name. Um, uh, I can't remember. The I king don't remember either, The duke, I believe it's the duke, right? Uh, no, it's the knave. I've got the, it. Knave, the, the king, king, the knave, knave and the horse. Ah. Um, and so that's sort of king, queen, jack in in our parlance. Um, but those represent the higher denomination numbers wise and, and there are aces as well that are just simply the ones of the decks. Um, but those are, you know, they're worth 11, 12 or 12, 11, 10, I think in Numerically, so you know, with that ten, you could take the other ones. It's a really elegant, simple to learn game. It's easy to see why it stood the test of time. I would just totally encourage you to to seek out a Scopa deck. You can find them online for cheapo nothing. I mean, it doesn't cost very much to. To invest in it, and it so would be have a those great decks way where you can get the rules in English. Oh and, yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, you can buy just a standard Scope a deck, cool. and it'll come with the rules. I'll certainly include um, show in the show notes links to a couple sites that explain in greater detail the full length of the rules. But I just wanted to give you an idea about how the game basically works, and and especially if you like, you know, euchre or any of these sort of cla- what we think is classic card games that you play. This is a game that just totally fits in that in that mode of um, easy to learn. You could teach your grandma how to play this and uh, have a great time playing, or a couple of your buddies in college. And you know, if you need an alternative to euchre or whatever, I think this this should be next on your list. Um, well, I actually have to admit that I haven't played this. I've
1: got three Scopa decks at home, and <laughs> I have never played it. So I'm looking forward to. It. We should put that. as a shot. We
0: should put that up on our our list uh, a little higher because it's I'm not even sure if I have it on my list. It might have slipped through the cracks. Holy crap! We've got one that's not I, on the list. Uh, unfortunately, there are those that have slipped through, <laughs> and I think I f- totally forgot about it till till we brought it up here. So, um, Dave, uh, you got any ideas how uh, these games are connected I at have all? Dual and Scopa. And
1: I have been racking what little brain I have at, what, 4 o'clock in the morning. Um, and I cannot... i Just wild stabs that mean nothing. So I think I'm going to have to give in and have you, have so you let me know. So if
0: I, if I say that um, both of these games have swords in them, that's the only connection there is. That's it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm killing it. <laughs> You've got swords that are a suit in Scopa, and it's a dueling game, so you've got fencing swords, you know? I said it was abstract, it wasn't very, you know, but (laughs) hey, there is a connection between these two games. They're they're both games that have swords in them. That's it. I'm drawing the connections next time. (laughs) Yeah, it's your job. (laughs) I think what we're going to do is we're going to open it up from now on, and if we do this in the future, we may do... uh, um, let you all out there in the listening world uh, try and write guess, in uh, and tell us um, we've been remiss so far on this episode about pimping our website uh, our website is thespiel.net dot net. <laughs> and our, our emails are steven at thespiel.net and dave at thespiel.net so feel free to drop us a line or let us know um, about any game related questions or if you like what we're doing here we'd love to hear from you um, and we'll definitely continue to do uh, little quizzes like this, and we might even come up with some fabulous prizes for Woohoo! for those people who yeah. are able to guess the uh, <laughs> connections between these games or we... um, maybe even suggest uh, topics for Backshelf Spotlight yourself or games that should be on our list. If you see our list and you think there's something that's not on there, we're actually in the process of putting up our entire list of games um, which will bring our unplayed games into perspective, I think, <laughs> a lot more. Uh, we will get a lot less grief, I think, from people when you see how many games we oh. have played as opposed to have it. Um, but definitely check out our website and uh, let us know what you think. Again, cool. it's
1: Cool. You know what? One thing I forgot to mention about that Scoba mm-hmm. that, I, that I always think of that I think is a hoot and most people who haven't seen this deck of cards, when you said what the suits were, oh, and uh. clubs is one of them. Oh, <laughs> they're they're not what you think of as a club. They're not our their typical clover looking club that we have on our deck. They're physically a caveman's club. <laughs> and the first time I saw a deck of these, I just I thought that was funniest. Well. <laughs> yep. But which I'm gonna have to beat Stephen over the head with a club now. <laughs>
0: For, um, the was, sword like, giving comparison. Me all these, all these like abstract things. Because <laughs> I told him, you know, oh, there's this connection. He's like, oh, was it this or that? And I was like, no, no, you're thinking too hard <laughs> about it. Swords, man, swords. Damn. Truckloads of goober. The segment with the best name in the spiel has to be truckloads of goober. (laughs) (laughs) So for those people who have not heard us before, Dave, give them the the short answer to just what in the hell is truckloads of goober? Our definition of truckloads of goober is just a game that
1: comes with a lot of components or a game that comes with one component that we think is really unique or kind of edges out you know, all other components we've seen. Makes it stand apart right, from exactly. the average game. And the latter is what we've picked tonight. I don't think we've picked one of these. We no. had we had one game earlier on that kind of fit both categories. Yeah, that's true. Um, but we've never picked one just for a single component that it had. And tonight's game is Andromeda. It's a game designed by Alan Moon, published in 1999, and... Um, Co-published actually by Abacus Spiele and Rio Grande Games, um, three to five players, playing time of about sixty minutes. It's just a cool little space um, type of game, which has the coolest component, one of the coolest components. It's not cool necessarily. It's cu- it's cool by what it does, the mechanics, yeah, how it's used, but how it's used. Um, it's called a planetary ring, <laughs> and it's a it's about three inches in diameter and about one and a half inches tall. And basically what you do with it, um, on the board you have all these planets and these little cubes that represent your bases, like your star bases. Yeah, that's right. Because it's been a long time since I played. But a lot of times when you want to open up a star base, um, you put all the cubes on the planet in this little thing and give it a little shake on the table. And then as you slowly start to pull it, there's a little hole in one side of it. Yeah, it's
0: sort of like a cup. Like a, a little cup with you, a door in it. Kind exactly. Of it. I mean, that's not exactly right, but it gives you an idea. And as you start to pull
1: it, um, basically one cube is going to be forced out this little hole. And that's if that cube is yours, then you're going to get a little star-based thing. If it's not, I think you get X number of tries based on the card you stuff. But I don't think I've ever played a game with that mechanic. I can't think of one. I, I mean, mean, some people are, well, oh, that's complete dumb luck.
0: But, How's it any different than a rolling a die or, or doing a spinner? Yeah.
1: And you you actually have some input into this because through the play of the game, you get to decide how many cubes you put on the planet. And if if you have seven cubes and your opponent has one, you got a hell of a good chance of your cube popping out there. I'll still course, pull the <laughs> other one. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Now I know for a fact that this game ha- it has a hate love thing working for it. Yeah. If you do some research on this game on the internet. People either absolutely love this game because of this cool little mechanic and because of the planetary ring, mm-hmm. or they hate it. I haven't figured out why they hate it. Maybe just because it's kind of light. Yeah. Uh, but I thought it was a really cool set collecting and trading type of thing, and then you throw in this little planetary ring. Yeah. It's just a hoot.
0: Well, it's a great example of how adding a component like that actually enhances the whole process of the game. If they had just had that be roll two dice and the higher person wins or something like that. Um, this game probably would have gone without notice by right. anyone. But by finding a way to take you know, something that might have been otherwise kind of ordinary and give it this kind of extraordinary component, it really makes the game sing in a way that it, it wouldn't otherwise. It absolutely and, does. And so often these games get swept away, and you don't hear about them. So I'm glad that I'm glad Dave's here to to bring them out and, and tell us about. I I and in
1: my in my research I found that um, this particular component has a lot of nicknames. And oh I really? Think my favorite one is the cosmic ashtray. <laughs> Some, somebody has figured out that it's actually very useful if you turn it upside down
0: and use it in ashtray, as an ashtray. That's awesome. Which is hilarious. That's awesome. I think. I think I'm not going to be able to think of it the same now, <laughs> from now on. <laughs> but if take a
1: look, um, go to Board Game Geek. If you if you haven't seen this game, at least look at the pictures and see what this little this little planetary ring looks like. We'll include I'll include pictures. Okay, show cool. So you'll cool. be able to see. And if you get a chance to play the game, give it a try. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun.
0: The game Sommelier or right game. Wrong crowd. So the game Sommelier is our uh, quiz where one person, one of the two of us, gives the other person a challenge. In this case, I am the person being challenged by Dave. He gives us a si- gives me a situation, and I have to try to find five games that will fit the situation perfectly. The idea is that we are. Game experts in the same way that a sommelier is a wine expert, and that we can match the right game with the right crowd. Because there's really an art and a science to picking the right game for the right crowd. And you can turn a lot of people off to games in general by picking, picking the wrong the wrong game right. for the wrong crowd. So let me have it, Dave. What's what? Uh, remind me what my uh, challenge was. Basically, for- I I had you look.
1: For games that at least eight players could play, not teams. Because it seems like when you get a large group of people, the easy way out is find a party game that you can play in teams. So I wanted you to find games that you don't play in teams, games that there would be an individual winner, and games that could be played multiple times over the course of one evening.
0: Hmm. So
1: that, you know, you're not playing two or three hours and ending up, you know, almost everybody going away non winners. You know, so this way you could play several things and everybody has
0: a good shot at winning. And that was pretty much it in a nutshell. Well, it started out. I started out thinking this was going to be way challenging, and then the more I thought about it, they started coming to me. So cool. I'm just going to dive right in here. Okay. And, and Dave, his job is to give me either the thumbs up or the thumbs down, and and to give you know give each other the give me the seal of approval. <laughs> as, you know, I got to earn my stripes as the game sommelier. So first game on the list is Apples to Apples. It's a great party game. You can play it with virtually any number of people. There is definitely a winner and a loser. The whole game is basically one person turns over a, uh, let's see, they turn over an adjective. Right. And everyone else has a handful handful of of nouns. nouns, um, And they have to, as quick as they can, put down one of their nouns that they think fits the the category. So, you know, the word could be uh, weird. And you could put down you know Michael Jackson or, or you know whatever, or the Sun or they're just completely off the wall. It's Any, anything goes in terms of the the kinds of cards. and then the person who flips over the adjective is the one who is the judge and decides which one he thinks fits. So you can try to match it up perfectly. Or you could totally just throw it out just the window and just pick the crazy. one that's the most stupid or the most funny or whatever you want. Or if you're playing
1: with people you know, you can kind of pander to the particular judge. <laughs> yes. You know, maybe he, the judge is one of us, and we're, you know, Star Trek freaks or something like that. And you play, if you play a Star Trek card, it's gonna get picked.
0: Yeah. You know. Or you could purposely go. Well, I know that's a pander to me. If yeah, ex- you knew ex- I ex- like Star Trek, so I'm ex- ex- sure not picking that one. Exactly. Um, but that's the first one on the list. It's light, it's fast. You can play, you know, a mo- millions of games in a single night. It's hilarious, and I just think is, you know, the if I had to rank them, this would be number one on my list of, of things.
1: Yeah, that's three thumbs up. Don't ask me where I'm from. <laughs> I don't even want to know where that third <laughs> thumb is coming from. You stay over there, <laughs> Mister.
0: Yep, you hit it. All right, perfect. Um, So uh, next game is Snorta. Again, these are both uh, by Out of the Box Publishing. Um, Awesome. You know, I think it's even better if you've had a couple uh, glasses of wine. If you've been taking a few snorts or
1: something, (laughs) Snorta is a hell of a lot better. But you're basically – it's a
0: barnyard animal noise game. You uh, have – little barns with little animals, and you make a certain animal sound, and everybody else makes a certain animal sound. So I might be the sheep, so I go, bah, and Dave, <laughs> you might be the... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you play cards out in front of you with different animals, and the trick is it's a sort of memory game in that you're flipping over cards. You have As soon as you match cards that match someone else, you don't say the noise of the cards that, that match... They're... You have to say the noise of the animal that the other person is, but of course you end up going bark, moo, meow, <laughs> oink, oh, shit. You know, I can't remember what it is, and of course the other person's like they've already gone you know, wolf. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's hilarious. Again, very light. You know, I most of these games you're going to detect a trend here, but especially since you put the restriction of having to play. Um, multiple games. I think you gotta go for something light, and right. oh, that's the whole to purpose. me, light doesn't mean less fun. In no, many no. cases, it means even more fun because you can get everybody involved. And even if you get totally screwed in one game, you're like, "I'm gonna get you the next time, you stupid pig." <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's there's number two. Um, that's also a great
1: pick. You can't can't go wrong with that game either. We we just played that recently, and yeah. Oh.
0: That just, is just too much fun. Uh, unless you're just a complete stick in the mud. Oh, I'm thinking. Which, you know, I mean, I know a few of them, yep. unfortunately. But, you know, unless you're just a stick in the mud, it's just hard not to have fun with this game. I remember so when, when we
1: first tested this game out at Gen Con a couple of years ago mm. to see grown adults <laughs> standing around a table making chicken and dog and, <laughs> you know, rooster noises I'm like, what in the hell is going on over there? And then, of course, it's yeah. like, cool, let me in. The
0: tears streaming down your <laughs> eyes as you listen to people mooing and yep. cackling. Another great pig. All right. Um, The next two, um, I felt we had to give a little love to the cheap-ass people because we were kind of harsh on them (laughs) (laughs) on the last uh, news and notes about James Ernest and his new non-cheap-ass game. So (laughs) this seemed like the perfect opportunity to give a little love to the cheap-ass game people. So we've got two cheap-ass games. We've got Kill Dr. Lucky and Lord of the Fries. Both just whacked out. Cheap-ass games are all... Low on the component quality scale, but high on the concept and just whacked out. Lord of the Fries, you're zombies in a fast food restaurant <laughs> trying to fill orders of people coming up, you know, things like the Chickabunga Conga, <laughs> where you have to have a chicken, a bun, and a drink. Uh, and all the cards are the different ingredients. Is that the one where there's like a vegan delight or some, yeah, some th- kind of... Yeah.
1: That's so funny. Um,
0: but you can play with up to eight people with that one. Um, it's a hoot. It, it's you know, it's a beer and pretzels game in that you can pay attention when it's your turn. You can also have a conversation while everybody else is kind of taking their turn. But it's a great, it's a good vehicle for social interaction. Which absolutely, you know, at the sure. heart, that's what any good game should be on some level. I think. Um, Kill Doctor Lucky fits in the same category. It's a, a sort of anti. Clue game you're actually people in the mansion trying to off Dr. Lucky but you use things like a very tight hat <laughs> or the civil war cannon exactly. or a loud noise so think clue in terms of you have you're trying to get yourself to be alone in a room with no one looking with a weapon so that you can, you can off the old bastard yeah, and plunge him into death with a wet noodle you know <laughs> and it's just hilarious fun and i think the more people you have Oh. the more fun that game is because it just... Wackiness ensues with uh, just the, the theme of the cards in both of these games. I'm sort of lumping them in together here, yep, but I think they belong good. Yeah. kind of in the same conversation. Um, so
1: what do you think of those two? Both great. I would love to play those games with, with eight people. Yeah, you, you die to get eight people <laughs> together just so you can play these types of games. Yeah, you know?
0: and, and you can play more than one of them in an evening too. Oh, you wouldn't oh. even have to just play... Kill Dr. Lucky, you could go from Kill Dr. Lucky to Lord of the Fries. and So far, every know, single game we listed,
1: we could have lined them up on a table and had eight people and played these, bam, you know, bam, bam, bam. And
0: and played them all in, like, like say, a couple hours, two, three hours, oh, and yep. you could have gone through all these different games. Yep. Last but not least, it's kind of funny that we were talking about Richard <laughs> Garfield and uh, the great Dal Moody earlier. This is another version of that great classic, card game asshole, uh, this is a, a board game slash card game version of it called Scum, the Food Chain Game. <laughs> um, so it's basically a set collecting game. You know, I put down four fours, so the next person has to put down four fives or four sixes. The thing that sets this game apart from the great Dal Moody, though, is there is a board, so there is a phys- there is a finite beginning and end to the game ah. that is much more set in stone then uh-huh. with the great Dalmudi, which can just either go on and on it absolutely and doesn't does. really have a defined beginning, middle, and an end the way this game does. So you could just sit down and say, okay, we're going to play a couple games of scum here, and it might take you an hour to play a couple games. So everybody kind of gets the, um, to take turns in this one because it's sort of an evolutionary thing with animals uh, instead of Dalmudi where it's your social pecking order right. from kind of the pope down to the peon. In this, this one, like you've got the, the king one. of the beasts down to yeah, like the, the little protozoa bacteria, bacteria like, yeah. uh, things. But it, ha- it has a couple really cool little rules twists, too. I played it fairly recently, and cool. it actually has a couple things that do make it slightly different, even than the like Dalmoody that they found, you know, as most of these games <laughs> do. You take a kind of core mechanic, and you find a little way to twist it. But, you know, you I can see people jockeying, well, I want to be the hedgehog. I'm <laughs> sick of being the stupid bacteria. Um Again, you can play with I think up to ten. With, wow, with scum. Um, so great. there's there's number five on my list. And another thumbs up. Damn, hundred percent this week. Woo-hoo! I think that's the first <sighs> A plus hundred
1: percent we've gotten yeah, that, so mean, far. Those those aren't just good. They're all those are perfect. Earn
0: my, <laughs> earn my stripes this week. I can I can polish off the metal. So if you're getting it, together
1: with seven or eight other friends, listen to this episode. Get these games. Don't
0: do. For the love of God, uh, don't do. Tur- I mean, we, I love Trivial Pursuit, but right. for the love of God, there are other games out there that are good, and give these a try. Right. Please. Give please. something else, else a good. chance.
1: It doesn't mean the trivia doesn't have its place. Yeah. But give it. The- you're going to have so much fun with these. Yeah.
0: Um, awesome. I will put, I've got a couple alternates that oh, okay. I'll put in the show notes. Um, okay. So people can cool. see that in case you shot me down on any of these, I think they're worthy of honorable mention. <laughs> well, I could too. go back and shoot you down on something. No, you? no, 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 like... no, 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 no. I'm taking my victory and I'm running with it. You, you are probably going to jump across the table and hit me now because, you know, I'm raising the bar a little on you here. So my turn, to give you a challenge for next week. So, here is your challenge. So you're an eighth grader. You got to do a book report. for your class on a famous novel. But instead of doing the typical boring speech, you decide to find a game based on the book and then use it to help illustrate and explain the story by teaching and then playing the game with your class. You can have multiple copies of the game. It's not that everybody in the class has to play the same game. The idea is you've got to find five games based on books where the story is deeply rooted in the mechanic or the process of playing the game. So no pasted-on themes, nothing that's just <laughs> called, you know, Shakespeare. But it says, you know, but then it's like a dice game or something. It's got to okay. be the the story of the book, or you know, you can go nonfiction or fiction. I'll loosen it a little. I'll be okay. I'll be willing to entertain things, but I think that you're up to this challenge. Um, in other words, your your teacher has to be able to tell that you read the book by the games that you chose because they're so intertwine okay. with the story that there's no way to to mistake that. So you she can tell you've done your homework. So by I only doing need this. to find three of these, right? Five. Three? Five. Five. <laughs> cool. So you may jump across the table and give me a black eye afterwards because <laughs> I was like, he's gonna kill me when I started thinking about this idea but I when I started thinking about it, there's there's some cool stuff out there and I'll be interested to see sure. what you uh,
1: i'm looking with. i'm looking forward to i mean obviously just like last week you said there was nothing right off the top of your head yeah but then as you after you started thinking about it mm-hmm. you came up with something. so i'm looking forward to this this will yeah. be fun so I,
0: you know i'm expecting an a plus next week i'm just trying to know. figure out if i've read six books five or six books <laughs> well you know <laughs> if they're colored in or you know they've exactly. got pictures yeah, i think those count okay you know? cool comic books count too so <laughs> <laughs> oh that
1: that's a that's a good challenge that this should be interesting. The Bar has been raised. <laughs> well, Dave, I think that's enough. We've done it. The again. magic number
0: five. Cinco. Woo! That's it to great. Five. I think we're having as much fun, if not more, now that we're underway with this silly adventure. And I hope you all out there listening are having fun listening if to anybody us. Anybody who's actually tuning in,
1: thanks. It's, thanks we're glad you are let drop us a line please let, let us know let us know because
0: we've had some emails from friends but we want to hear from those random people out there i i see the web stats i know there's people out there listening please let us know we want to we want to hear from you and and let us know what even if it's what just, you like or what you don't like i mean let us have it exactly if you think we're just, a bunch of
1: hosers. just send us an email and say you know what you guys suck <laughs> you know I mean, that, that'll help we're out not a lot. above We're not above <laughs> wanting hate mail, I guess is what Dave is saying. You know, exactly. <laughs> any mail is good, even if it's hate mail. We're desperate. Please, communicate with us. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and if in case we haven't pimped it enough, our website, of course, is thespiel.net. So, without further ado, I think that'll put an end to this issue of the spiel. Awesome. So, remember... Whether it's the turn of a card, the roll of a dice, or the flip of a tile, you don't have to play to win. You you just just have have to play. play.